Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. So I had a buddy send me a graphic yesterday that showed the one-loss records of all the quarterbacks drafted in the first round in 2021. Remember, that was a draft where three went in the top three, five went in the top 15, and... It was looking like it was going to be a pretty good draft class for a little while there, and now there's all kinds of questions about it. And the the five, the five quarterbacks were Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all went in the top three. Justin Fields went 11th. Mac Jones went 15th. And and I looked at that and I said, wow, their records are all below 500. So, some significantly below 500. Trey Lance is the only one who's not below 500 he's two and two and on his second team now as an emergency quarterback for the Cowboys yeah yeah you know and I think this is where I think the cautionary tale in a lot of ways is it's more of a crapshoot than ever and it's always been and always will be a crapshoot with projecting NFL quarterback talent but if you look at Trey Lance who had such minimal college experience playing at a you know a non-power five conference as well that it's really hard to know exactly how they're going to latch onto the mental side of the game. Trevor Lawrence, likewise, you know, played very simplistic NFL offense. And so far, it really looks like he's a first read guy the same way he was in college. It's just in college, it didn't matter because that was the offense. You know, it's a credit and a testament to Deshaun Watson that he picked that up over time, but it was a, it was a much steeper curve with CJ. CJ did a lot of more advanced stuff. By, college, by current college quarterback standards, and he did it for two years. And I think, likewise with Bryce Young, that made people more comfortable with that side of it. With It's, it's just more of a crapshoot with guys like Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence than it's ever been because of the way college offenses have evolved. And then with guys like Trey Lance, they're, just, they're getting drafted in the first round with very little actual quarterbacking experience. Yeah, he, CJ actually said that, that. And I think it might be in this cut that we have here, Ben. If you have the CJ on McAfee cut that I've got in this segment right here, um, he may have said it in this. They were kind of they were kind of riffing about the S two test on the show yesterday yeah. with him. That was very uncomfortable. I thought because they kept using the word dumb. All, well, they the were whole using time. it like well, they were making fun of the S two test, but they were, and people continue to do this. They were treating it like it's an intelligence test, yeah. which again. Intelligence tests are notoriously fallible, but it's not even an intelligence test. No. And people, but it's like almost like saying that like you got a bad IQ score or something, which it's not. It's a it's a visual cognition test. Yep. Here was CJ when when he was you know he listened to these guys riffing about the S two test and he chimed in with this. I always say that the eye in the sky don't lie. So um, you watch the film, you put on a tape, even from college, like you can't play at Ohio State and under Coach Day, who's a who's a world renowned offensive coordinator, play caller. 
Like his his offense is pretty is, is pretty deep when it comes to being knowledgeable. You have to know everything. I even have more responsibilities in college than I do now in this offense in this scheme. So. Um, yeah, but that means you're only going to get better, which sucks for us. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't even yeah. unleashed you completely, yes, which is yeah. a whole different animal. All right, so that last part, McAfee's coming at it from an Indianapolis him. perspective on that last part. So kind of backing up what you're saying, Seth, like where Trevor Lawrence is playing in this pretty remedial offense at Clemson, I think it's a testament to Ryan Day getting guys ready for the NFL, or at least do it, giving yeah. an offense where there's a lot of buttons in the cockpit that they need to push. You know. Well, the other thing too is, and this is just a, a lot of coaches that tell you they get frustrated when people talk about their scheme. You know, Kyle Shanahan has talked about this. Like, okay, your scheme is going to change based on what your quarterback can and can't do, and and what their skill sets are. So there is no quote unquote scheme if you're if you're genuinely trying to tailor your system to your quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Different guys excel at different things. Some guys some guys are great at reading coverages, but all but like don't account for the fact that sometimes there's mistakes in coverage you know like they can read the coverage perfectly but they can't adapt on the fly when the defense actually isn't executing it properly when they're not doing it by the textbook like there's so many different nuances to what quarterback skills are and are not and I think that s2 cognition test is one diagnostic tool but it's like it's one of 20 or 30 things that they're going to look at and you wonder like with the Panthers if a guy like if the hedge fund manager gets to see this data and he feels like it's so overwhelming, Dave Tepper, the owner, being the hedge fund manager, yep. if like maybe he doesn't really fully appreciate that it's still an art in, in predicting these quarterbacks more so than a science. In 2020, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert were three of the top six picks in the draft. That was a that was a good draft class. That's a really by NFL standards a really good quarterback draft class in the first round. In the three drafts since then, Seth, there have been nine quarterbacks taken in the first round. And I'm going to rattle through these names, but my overall premise here is that I think the Texans might be the only one of these nine teams that feel really, really good about their quarterback right now. And here are the names. In 2021, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. In 2022, there was only one first-round pick. It's Kenny Pickett who's backing up Mason Rudolph right now. And then in this draft, there were three quarterbacks taken in the first round, all in the top four, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I, I, would, I would submit that the Texans are the only one of the nine teams drafting those quarterbacks that feel great about their quarterback, like feel guess, great about them. Okay, so if I were to do devil's advocate, mm-hmm. I would say the cautionary tale – is how did the Patriots feel about Mac Jones after his rookie year? I mean, right now. I'm talking right now how they feel right, about no, Mac I know, Jones. I know, I know. I'm saying a cautionary tale in terms of feeling oh. good about C.J. Stroud. Oh, I got is, you. okay, how did they feel about Mac Jones after his rookie year? I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. The the So, again, I'm, I'm doing devil's advocate because I think the Patriots felt really good about Mac Jones. He had a really good year. That was more of a testament to Josh McDaniels, and I think that's still – if I'm out there and I'm thinking about bringing in Bill Belichick, like it's got to be with Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator. Because that part of it, I think McDaniels might be a horrible head coach, and like Belichick is lost without a really good offensive coordinator. So at the very least, they did a really good job of bringing Mac Jones along slowly. And like the, the one thing that illustrates that, 6.1 yards per attempt. Like It was a whole lot of dinking and dunking and managing him. Whereas with CJ, it's the exact opposite. Like they've just kind of released the hounds with CJ Stroud. So the level of confidence 
and the feeling that, okay, this, this is going to travel well and age well is a lot higher right now. I think for most people around the league with C.J. Stroud than it was for Mac Jones, who people were very bullish about at the time. Yeah, and I guess if we're using that as the analogy, you know, Josh McDan- the Josh McDaniels dynamic with Mac Jones is, okay, how much do we feel Bobby Slowick has to do with C.J. Stroud's rookie year? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I, and so, like, can it, can they groom the next guy to come in and CJ Stroud not skip a beat, right? Because, well, if you look at okay, the big thing they always point to this year is okay. You look at the other two teams that have a lot of the similar uh, aggressive traits, huge chunk plays downfield, and it's the 49ers and it's the Dolphins. You know, they're they're Kubiak's Shanahan systems and. Do you feel that good about those quarterbacks? Like that, that, like there's that combination of natural ability and then actual scheme. And I do feel, and obviously I'm biased. I feel like C.J. Stroud's got the is much higher on the natural quarterbacking ability, married to the perfect scheme than those other two guys. Then Tua and Brock Purdy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I just think I think it's it highlights just how hard it is to find one of these guys. And if you're a Texan yeah. fan, you got to feel so good that you landed on him. That these are the nine guys who were drafted in the first round in the last three seasons, and one is on their second team. A few of them have been benched. Um, one can't stay on the field. The other one's five foot ten. All these things. Um, and you got C.J. Stroud, who is the toast of the town right now. Who do you think of all those? Uh, boy, that's a whole other episode. Uh, yeah. Just talk about which one of those guys might work out. Yep. We, you know, we can talk about it later for yeah, sure. No, for sure. That's another. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. What is Cleveland saying about the Houston Texans? We're going to dig into what they're saying up in Cleveland this week about the Texans. A reminder, Nick Casario, Texans GM, joins us in about 20 minutes. Stay there. You're listening to Payne and Pendergast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you. Nick Casario is going to join us in about 13 minutes or so. Um, Texans executive vice president and GM. Looking forward to the conversation. bump Ross Tucker yet again. (laughs) He did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ross Tucker will join us at 9 o'clock on the show today. 
So that'll be a little later he's on. Like the, he's like Matt Damon um, to... Is it Jimmy Kimmel that messes with Matt Damon? It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite the same way it's as the Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, yeah, they don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> Matt Damon's going to start making vague accusations about Jimmy Kimmel. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so Cleveland, Cleveland.com, that's the Cleveland Plain Dealers website. Cleveland Plain Dealer, the paper up in, uh, in Cleveland. Tim Bielek yeah. uh, writes for them. And he's got five things to know about the Houston Texans. The Browns. And I thought to myself, I saw this article, Sean, and I thought to myself, what's this Joker think right. he knows about the Houston Texans? You don't know me. Cleveland people. Yeah, yeah. This stuff is good. Sometimes they expose a blind spot, you know, right. to something. They, they see your, they can see the dimples in your butt the way you can't. I'm going to read these. I'm going to let you assess how well Tim okay. Bielek of Cleveland.com knows the Houston Texans. He thinks he knows the Houston Texans. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. All right, number one, C.J. Stroud is the true difference maker for the Houston Texans. Whoa, well, hey, I didn't realize this team Bielek was a Rhodes Scholar. Okay, uh, <laughs> look, I better well, stretch out a little bit before I take on this fella. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. I think he does point out that, man, the, the drop-off was pretty extreme, <laughs> Dude, obviously. I didn't realize and, the numbers were this bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Texans' backup quarterbacks – Combined to throw. Okay, keep in mind the, the Cleveland game was a game where they were doing all that shuffling in and out of Case Keenum and Davis Mills in the first Two-headed half. Two-headed monster. Two-headed baby. monster. Yeah. Deal um, with this. The Texans' backup quarterbacks combined to throw fifty-three yards in the first half, compared to Joe Flacco's two hundred and forty-six <laughs> yards in the first half. Ugly. Oh. Um, the number two thing. Now this is interesting, and and he understands the dynamics here as well, but. Number two, the Texans' edge rushers also will be difference makers. And this is twofold. One is that Will Anderson and Jonathan Gennard are are banged up, and you hope you can get the healthiest version possible of those two. But if you look at if you look at the Browns and their roster, like when I go through and I try to identify the weak spots on the Browns roster, honestly, the only genuinely weak spot is the offensive tackles. Um, that is Jerron Christian is starting at left tackle as of right now. And those are opportunity areas. If those guys, uh, if, if Jonathan Grenard and Will Anderson are healthy. Well, and we should point out that neither of those guys, ba- basically neither of those guys played in the first Cleveland game. Will Anderson was yeah. out and Grenard started and he, he hurt his ankle three snaps into the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bad, I mean, those, that's true. I, gosh, you know, I'd forgotten just how banged up. Because I, I don't like to make excuses, and C.J. Stroud is the big one. But it was all your best players. You had pointed out before the game, it's like five of your best six players were out, and, and all six of them were banged up. The five, yeah. the five best PFF scores were all out for that game. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, um, so PFF, pro football focus, for those who are unindoctrinated. I, so I agree with the first two. Yes, C.J. Stroud, kind of important. The Texans' edge rushers also will be difference makers. I'm glad he pointed that one out, though, because I forgot just how early Grenard went out in that game. Because yeah. the first series, he was he was done for the done for the the game, done for the next few games. So far, Cleveland.com is painting a pretty good picture for the Texans. Got a I pretty, like this. Got a pretty good beat on us, I think, so far. All right, there's three more. Let's see how he does. Number three. Number three. Nico Collins has come alive again since Stroud's return. It's true. I think that's important. People up in Cleveland would want to know that because all they know of of Nico Collins if they just watched that one game versus the Texans was that he had four catches for 
20 yards or less. I think it was four 18 yards. Six, yeah, four 18, 18 yards. Yep. Um, and that he was very limited. But again, we'll go back to who was throwing him the football and uh, as well as also the team's still kind of adjusting and compensating for the loss of Tank Dell at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would agree with that. Nico Collins has indeed come alive again since his return. Number four, don't expect much in the run game from either team. Yeah, they uh, the Browns came into this last week's game ranked 12th in the NFL in rushing, but they were 22nd in yards per rush. And in a lot of ways, the Texans and the Browns are very similar. Remember, the Stefanski runs a Coop Shanistani system himself. They're going to commit to the run whether they're doing it well or not. And the Browns commit to the run. The Texans held them to 1.8 yards per attempt. It didn't keep the Browns from destroying the Texans defensively. And it's all to set up the play action. So, yeah, I would agree here. I, my one little asterisk would be that, man, Singletary has come up big in just the right moments and that their overall rankings on the season don't really reflect what they've evolved into. They've been a more dependable run game than than certainly they had been in the first half of the season. Even Singletary's numbers on Saturday were not great in the box score, but, man, uh, that final touchdown and another key couple moments during the bulk of the game, Singletary was big. Yeah, they, they've got to get – I don't want to say the run game that they got against the Colts is going to be good enough to win this game. They're going to need to be better offensively overall to beat this defense. But yeah. but I'm not expecting a huge explosive day for the run game, but they've got to get into second and six and third and three. They've got to stay ahead of the chain. They yeah, have to stay to, ahead of the chains yeah. against this team. They have to. By the, by the way, if you're overly concerned about the Texans' rushing defense, that was awful against Jonathan Taylor, but for whatever it's worth – their two worst rush defenses of the season were against the Colts, both of them yep. in the regular season. The other one was 126 yards in uh, in week two. I went back and tallied it up also, Seth, last night. After the Jerry Hughes injury stoppage, yeah, which felt like an NBA timeout where it kind of like takes the wind out of yeah. the crowd sails, the rest of the game, Jonathan Taylor, after that stoppage, 13 carries, 21 yards. Right, yeah, that's what it's driving me insane when I like peruse even Indianapolis media. None of them are mentioning the fact that Jonathan Taylor had been kind of trash, after, especially after his ankle got banged up. Yep. Last one from Tim Bielek of Cleveland.com. Number five, Houston has had problems protecting the quarterback. Have we had problems? Like, is it, has it been a, a, a huge issue or just sporadic problems? Here uh, he there? missed two games because they couldn't protect him. So, yes, I think that's uh, okay. it's been an issue. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That yeah. uh, they, they do have to account for it with the play calling. CJ's only been back for two games. Right. And in the first game, the, their strategy of getting rid of the ball quickly in the first half combined with a defensive score worked out so well that they didn't really have to risk putting him in harm's way. Yeah. I think they've done a really good job again this last week of using a combination of max protection and play action and getting rid of the ball quickly to to keep him relatively clean. But I'm, it's it's something I'm still nervous about, especially against a defense like the yeah. Browns. Uh, this Tim Bielek knows us pretty well. I feel like he might yeah. be stalking us, actually. Like you might be peeping in our window to see just what we're all about. You know what you I mean? Did, well, I do. Much like a celebrity that, you know, like when these, uh, these people go to like the Star Trek conventions and Will Shatner will be like, I don't know this much about Star right, Trek. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I feel like this Tim B looks a yeah. little bit like that. It's a little obsessed, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Nick Casario, Texans GM. He's joining us next. We will take a look ahead at this Cleveland game. We'll chat about some of the things going on with the specific guys on the team, the coaching staff, the whole nine yards. We do that with the Texans executive vice president and GM Nick Casario next. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Are you ready? Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. Break it down. All right, there it is. We got playoff football in Houston, people. Let's get it going. Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, 3.30 Saturday. You can hear the game right here on Sports Radio 610. Seth and I have you at 12.30 for Texans Countdown. Clint Sterner and I with a uh, hopefully victorious postgame show, just like this last Saturday night against the Indianapolis Colts. That music can mean only one thing. Joining us right now on the program, first appearance, in the year 2024, Texans Executive Vice President and General Manager Nick Casario joining us on the show. Nick, how we doing? Morning, fellas. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you. Um, congrats on, on everything. Congrats on the season. Congrats on the, the division. Congrats on the playoff appearance. We just got done going through a list that Cleveland.com put together about you guys, kind of their observations on the Texans, and it got me thinking, you're from up that way. Does this game take on for you personally, like a little more significance? Like, do you have got like in week sixteen? Did you have buddies texting you and things like that after that game? Uh, no, most of my buddies are in other cities or throughout the country. So, other than my family, um, I'd say that's probably the extent of my uh, connection to Cleveland. So, um, no, I mean, I've got family up there. Um, obviously, grew up there, but. Don't think it brings on any more significance other than they probably family. my they, family they wants to come to the game, so they want to show up and fly down to Houston. So I guess I have to accommodate. Them. There you go. There you <laughs> yeah, go. you've been in this business long enough that they've had they've had to have abandoned their original loyalties by now, right? <laughs> the flags constantly change, so my mother will send me texts before games with whatever flag is appropriate. So she yeah. flies. Hey. Texan flag now. So. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, look, your mom's had it pretty easy as NFL parents go. It's like, yeah, you know, every 20 years or so, they, they're going to change teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to win six Super Bowls along yeah. the way. <laughs> Nick Casario. My parents are very proud and happy. They so. <laughs> should be. They should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Nick, uh, great to talk to you as always. Um, I'm sure the, the, as we look back at, at Saturday night and, and the weekend, the, the whole thing that went with the weekend and, and you guys winning the division and what a journey it's been. 
I'm sure you got to see the video of D'Amico kind of alone in the hallway there, kind of reflecting on everything with his thoughts. Did you have a moment like that after everything this weekend where you've had a chance? I mean, you, this, yesterday was your three-year anniversary being hired by the Texans. I'm not sure if you knew that. Have you had a chance? I didn't know the exact. I figured it was around there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, you, so. you've got, you, you've got a, a, you know, maybe a different perspective on reflecting back on all this. Yeah, I think it's important to just kind of be in the moment and live in the present. Um, we're all a product of our history, and we experience things at different points. Um, and not to sound kind of cliche-ish, but I've always just taken things sort of one day at a time and just appreciative of the opportunity in front of us. Um, you know, I think what you saw from D'Amico um, was real, kind of reflective of who he is as a, as a person and a human being. He's invested so much time and energy and effort, I'd say, into this organization, into this city, um, and just to have an appreciation for what we accomplished, um, have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration and appreciation for him and the job that he's done. Um, you know, certainly grateful for the opportunity that ownership has provided uh, to be in the position that, that I'm in, that we're in. Um, you know, so it's it's a cool accomplishment, um, but I think the big thing is is we want to just continue to move forward and you don't want to look back and necessarily reflect. I mean, there's time for that. Um, it's probably a pro- more appropriate for – I'm sure you guys have taken some polls on that or have more discussions about that. But I think our job is to kind of focus on the present, focus on what's in front of us, focus on what we control. And really it's a credit to the coaches and the players that were in this position. Um, it's taken a lot of work by a lot of different people, I'd say, along the way, going back to, honestly, February, last February, March, when we had some of our players after the 22 season that were in the building training and preparing um, you know, for, for what was going to happen here in 2023. And Derek, uh, Stingley was one of those players. Petrie's one of those players. I'd say some of our, I'd say, younger players, better players that – have been in the program, they were ready to to prepare. And really what that shows is the mindset that that they all had, that we had. And as we put the team together over the course of the spring, I think we felt that we would have a competitive team. Now, what does that necessarily translate to? That's not That's not our job. That's your job. That's for you guys to have fun with and kind of figure out, all right, how many wins are they going to have? Where's it going to like, we can't worry about that. All we can focus is on putting together the best team possible, making good decisions. And then once we get into the season, being able to adjust and adapt to the circumstances. And then once you get to the end of the season, then you kind of take inventory of, of where you are and you're either in a position to continue your season or you're not. So, you know, certainly thankful and grateful. I mean, Sunday morning was kind of a normal day, I would say, in the Casario household, which is, you know, kind of get up, go to church, and just kind of not make it about football, but just make it about our family, make it about our girls, and just kind of, you know, it's a it's a normal day, and not kind of get too caught up in some of the hoopla, but also understand that, you know, we're excited and appreciative of the opportunity that's in front of us. So I would say that kind of is a quick snapshot and summation of the um, – you know, of the weekend, but mm-hmm. I would say like that video of D'Amico, that's real. That's who he is. Um, and, you know, it, you saw it all right there, um, what he's about and what he's really brought to our program um, in a short period of time. Nick, um, I got to be honest with you. I had struggled with figuring out exactly how to ask this question because the, like last year there was chatter and speculation. It seems like around the combine time onward that you were going to end up uh, back in New England and last week there was a report 
by a guy who's been wrong about GM reports with the Texans going back to 2014, and yet um, it took on it, it got some traction that there that there was a chance that you were going to end up back in New England. So I guess I would ask two parts. Um, one is just is there any truth to that, and two. Does it feel better that at least this time it doesn't seem like as many people are like running with it as they did last spring? Yeah, I'm going to try to like hold my tongue here a little bit, but I would just say this time of year, there's a lot of things that are said. And anybody that makes a jackass statement that they either know me or trust me, you can rely on this information, honestly, is totally off base. So I would say. I am grateful for the opportunity that I have here. Um, respectfully, I know there's a lot of reporters out there that think they have information, but this this becomes silly season. It happens every year, whether it's during the January-February cycle when you have coaching changes, whether it's around the draft. Um, those that really know me um, know how I operate and what I'm about and other than you know, 610 Sports Radio, I'm not really a big media person, um, but I keep it to myself and just try to show up, try to do my job, try to support the people that I'm with on a day-to-day basis and just focus on the things that I control and not worry about some offhanded statements that are made out of left field that, quite frankly, have zero validity. So you know, I'm excited about the opportunity that I've been presented here in Houston. I'm excited about where our team is, understanding we have plenty of work that's in front of us. I've loved every second of the opportunity to work with D'Amico um, since he was hired, since he and I have been together, and to work with his coaching staff and to work with our players and to work with the people in our building. And I'm just going to focus on the things that I can control, which is doing the best I can for the Houston Texans organization for as long as ownership provides the opportunity for me. So, like whoever these reporters are that make these, you know, ridiculous statements, you know, maybe you want to talk to me about it first before you put some information out there that has actually zero basis. Nick Casario, Texans GM, joining us here on Sports Radio 610. Nick, you came from an environment up in New England that was kind of unique in, in, you know, with Coach Belichick and how that structure went. You know, you're coming here. It feels like a little bit more of a traditional GM head coach kind of structure. Here in year three with you and D'Amico, is this kind of what you envisioned when you went into the role three years ago of what a GM head coach relationship would look like? Yeah, I would say every situation, Sean, is probably different. And I think what you have to do is look at your situation and understand the gravity of running a football team is massive. And I would say very few people can handle the overarching, I would say, operation I mean, you could probably count on one hand the number of people that could do it at a high level with Bill being at the top of the list. Probably put Coach Reed in that category as well. But every situation is a little bit different. So our job, my job, is to support the coaching staff, to support the players. And as you work through any relationship, there's always going to be things, oh, maybe a little bit less here, maybe a little bit more there. You try to figure it out. But I think if the relationship is built on trust, respect, and communication – then in realizing that we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. We're all trying to win as many football games as possible, put the best team together um, that we can on a year-to-year basis. And whatever role and responsibility that entails, it takes a number of different people. Um, my job, and I've kind of you know alluded to this or mentioned this, is just to kind of you know, navigate through and sort of steer the ship a little bit and be a resource and be a conduit of information. 
and you know wherever I'm needed, whatever job that is, whatever role that is, however big or small it is, I think we all have to have that mindset. So, you know, I think sometimes the head coach and general manager get you know more of the credit, less of the credit, but we all have to support one another, and everybody that's in our building has an important job. So, um, you know. I'd say our relationship from the time that D'Amico has started um, back in January or whenever it was, you know, I think it's grown each day and we've learned a lot about each other. Uh, I've come to appreciate him and respect him and admire him probably even more than I did before he got the job. So, I mean, each year is going to be different. So I think each situation is always going to be a little bit different. Um, The bottom line is you need a number of people um, to put a successful product on the field. And at some point you're going to need everybody. And, you know, I think we're fortunate to be, you know, in a, in a pretty good position and hopefully the relationship continues to grow and we can kind of build on some of the things that we've done this year. Um, so I saw you on the sideline last night at the national championship game, uh, which was, I know, I know your travel schedule is brutal, but it was good of you to get out there and be <laughs> scouting those kids. I, it did remind it was a me long of walk from upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you probably didn't even want to go, right? You're just trying to get to your car, through, like the different security things. <laughs> well, I know it reminded me of the fact that, you know, the Panthers sent uh, basically, it felt like their entire organization to the pro days for CJ Stroud and Bryce. Young, the Texans sent far fewer representatives to those pro days. What what went into that decision to to not necessarily go full force at the quarterback pro days? I, I'll, I'll be respectful when I say this as well. I think sometimes there's a bunch of BS fanfare that's associated with some of those pro days. You know, when you send you know hordes of people, I'd say if you have a specific reason why you're going to do that, then. Whatever you believe in organization and you're philosophically, then, you know, then the, you should do that. Um, I think sometimes you can actually get more work done doing it other ways. And the reality is you've evaluated those players over the course of one, maybe even two years. So you've done comprehensive study, and then you have an opportunity to meet with the player at the combine likely. And there's probably a good chance that you're either going to, A, bring that player into the building or you're going to go to their campus and kind of spend more time with them. Um, I know these have become, I would say, to a certain extent, certain pro days have become a little bit more media-driven. You know, when there's 56,000 networks that show up and evaluate when a guy throws routes on air and then walk away from the workout and talk about, you know, how well the guy threw the football, I mean – Okay, I mean, my daughter can probably evaluate that as well and show up at the workout. So I'd say it depends on what you're trying to get accomplished and what you're trying to get done. In the end, we're going to do what we feel is best for organization. We'll get to the end point um, that we feel is appropriate. Um, But we're not just going to do things that, quite frankly, might just be for surface level or some fluff associated with it. I'm not saying every workout is like that. What I'm saying is that some of these have become that. Now, if you have a school where you have, let's just use Michigan as an example, well, I'd say there's a good chance they're going to probably have 15, 20 prospects that are going to be draft eligible or in the draft. So there's an opportunity to watch a wide swath of players over the course of a day. Maybe there's something that you haven't seen during the course of the fall or a player's coming back from an injury and you want to see him up close, or if there's something specific you really want to see. And then as you move around from like that program to another group of players, you're kind of comparing and contrasting. But I think sometimes it's just so quarterback-centric, so quarterback-driven. You know, let's make sure we show our face. Okay, well, it might be important to do that. 
But quite frankly, it might be a bunch of fl- – look, there's going to be how many cameras? Like there's going to be a million cameras that are there. So I would say the way D'Amico and I operate is pretty low profile. Like we're about work. You know, it's about substantive work, not necessarily getting caught up in a bunch of fluff. But get our work done, get what we need to get done, get what we need to get accomplished, make sure we have the right information so that we can make the best decision for the Houston Texans organization on every front. So that's where hopefully we'll keep our focus. Texans so hopefully, that answer, hopefully that answers your question. No, no, it does. It does. Uh, Texans GM on with us uh, right now on Sports Radio 610. So, Nick, uh, that trade, the Panthers trade up on March 10th for the number one overall pick. And those pro days for C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young aren't until a couple weeks after that. So your evaluation process, once you realize the Panthers have the number one overall pick and they're almost definitely going to take a quarterback, does it change kind of your approach to how you evaluate the quarterbacks? Or maybe like does it shift over into like, okay, whichever one of these guys we might take, we're going to start focusing on how we would coach them? Or is it just business as usual? Yeah, what you're doing is wherever you're slotted – you're probably evaluating a certain pocket or group of player within that however many picks it is, understanding that, okay, said player gets picked one, all right, you're going to have your options um, whenever you pick next. So I would say, like, fast forward to this year to some degree, like where we're going to be picking, unless we trade up, in which, again, I'm not coming on air saying we're not going to trade up or we're going to trade down because then everybody will be like, oh, man, well, here's what their draft plans are. But anyways, we're positioned to pick in the, call it, you know, 20-ish sort of range. So if we end up staying there, there's probably a good group of players, 15 to 20 players that or 12 to 15 players that you're not going to see. But you're still going to evaluate them so that you're well-positioned and prepared in the event that, that circumstances change. So I think the big thing is just go through your evaluative process, understand what your options are, understanding kind of where you're slotted to pick, and then ultimately you make the decision that you feel is in the best interest of the organization. So we try to stay consistent with that process. I don't think you're necessarily steered one direction or another just based on what other teams are doing. You have to focus on your team, what you're doing. It's not too dissimilar to kind of what we're doing this week. Like we have to focus on the Houston Texans. What are some of the areas that we can improve? What are some of the ways that we can play better than we did against Cleveland, you know, a few weeks ago? So it's the same thought process and the same mindset as it uh, pertains to the draft. So um, what other teams are doing, you kind of have some maybe understanding or awareness, but in the end, you're not going to let that drive your decision-making your decision-making is going to be based on the work that you've put in, the information that you've gathered, and the endpoint that you've arrived at as a collective group, and just making sure you're prepared, you know, come draft day or whenever it is, to make the right decision for the organization at that current time. Texans Executive Vice President and GM Nick Casario joining us on the show. So I think we're all really happy it worked out the way it did. That C.J. Stroud is the quarterback for the football team here. So, Nick, do you do you have a? I've been thinking about this. Do you have a favorite C.J. Stroud throw this season? Like, if I'm playing word association with you, and I say sick C.J. throw, which one immediately comes to mind for you? Uh, yeah, you probably want to start with the throw to Nico the other night. I mean, essentially, it was a 75 yard handoff. I mean, like that's. I mean, you're talking about two really skilled players. Um, you know, I'd say that throw. I think that throw against Jacksonville, the tank. There when we were you know early in, in the first the first quarter I mean those were two I would say you know top notch throws which when you throw the ball down the field typically it's pretty not lower percentage but you know there's just more incompletions than there are completions uh, but they be able to throw the ball with accuracy and placement in those particular situations 
And I'd say those are, I'd say, two, you know, that kind of jump off the tape. Um, you know, I think just overall, like the passing game, you know, for the most part, we've done a good job of with the overall execution of it. There's been moments, you know, where we've had some throws we'd like to have back, some plays we'd like to have back. But in overall, I mean, made good decisions. TJ's made really good decisions. Many time your touchdown interception ratio is what it is. Um, it means you take care of the football. Your ball placement is in the right spot. You understand the integrity of the play. You understand what's being asked to play. You understand what your options are on the play. And that goes back to the play design, which goes back to Bobby, you know, Gerard, the offensive staff. So, I mean, CJ's a talented player. Um, he's done a great job. Um, you know, collectively as a team, you know, we put ourselves in a position. So um, I'd say those are two. You know, if you want to start there, you could probably put that poll up in six ten as well. I'm sure everybody. I did. Twitter doesn't in. have enough choices. There's only four choices on Twitter. CJ's got like fifty of these. Why don't this you year. talk to Elon Musk and see if we can get some, some changes? I got him on speed. To, uh, we need. You know X. what? You know what we need, Nick? It's not Twitter. We need a full bracket of CJ throws, like a sixteen or thirty-two team bracket of his throws this year. Hey, along it's like those, the college football playoff going from 4 to 12. That's so it, man. Yeah, that's, Changes are possible. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, along those lines, you mentioned Bobby and um, the reports yesterday that there have been a couple requests to, to interview Bobby Slowick for head coaching vacancies. I guess just <clears throat> thoughts on your year working so far with Bobby Slowick and I guess just as importantly, maybe more importantly, as you plan here, you know, the, do, do you guys have a – kind of a succession plan with, you know, D'Amico's a defensive coach, so you, there, there may be some churn at the offensive coordinator in the future. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, this time of year, I mean, there's a process that the league has in place, so, you know, we'll certainly comply with those, you know, parameters and rules and regulations. I would say specific, you know, to Bobby, you know, Bobby's done an unbelievable job for uh, for the organization this season. You know, we'll support him in any way possible. There's obviously – a lot of dominoes that are going to fall relative to this whole, I would say, process. So we'll take it one day at a time. But, you know, we've put together, D'Amico's put together, you know, a really good coaching staff, which is the reason we're in the position that we're in. Um, so we'll look at, you know, our options if we get to that point. But certainly grateful and thankful for the job that Bobby has done for us here this season. Um, the goal is to try to keep as many good coaches and people mm -hmm. and players in the building for as long as possible. So, you know, we'll work through the process, whatever that entails. And you always have to have sort of contingency plans in place. You know, you're trying to balance multiple things right now. I think the focus more than anything is on the players and getting ready for the Cleveland Browns, which is certainly a, a significant task ahead of us. And if there's other things that we have to deal with at some point, then we'll handle them in due time. But, you know, Bobby's done a great job. Um, you know, you guys have talked to Bobby or, they, you know, he's talked to the media, you know, once a week here. And, you know, I'm sure Bobby will tell you that he's grown and he's learned a lot and, um you know, we're fortunate to have him here, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can continue to work with him uh, moving forward. Yeah, you know what upset me about Bobby Slowick was that uh, I'd heard from all these people beforehand that he was going to be all business and just the, just wants to be left alone. He steps in front of the microphone, and he's delightful. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, I, all I can stop thinking about is the fact that this guy will be awesome in an interview, and it angers me. So it's probably, uh, that, it's probably the same reporters that said I was leaving. So like, take that, <laughs> you probably have to take it with a grain of salt. I, I will say, I'll I'll back off on him a little bit because he finally called a flea flicker, which uh, was successful, even though it didn't end up being a pass. That was my favorite. Hell of a run on that flea flicker. Yeah. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. The flea flicker is it, it works a hundred percent of the time. What? Why are there not more flea flickers? 
Uh, well, you have to talk to the offensive coordinators in the league. So there's a time and a place. So anytime you run a gadget, you know, there's, you're trying yeah. to catch it within the rhythm um, in the appropriate time to make the play call. So um, I'm sure we'll have a few others uh, up our sleeves here um, maybe over the next few weeks. You guys, you guys could be innovators. You could be like Daryl Morey. You could, uh, you could revolutionize <laughs> yeah. the use of flea flickers. The flea flickers, the, the new three-pointer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So we're going to go analytics now? That we're going to like shift gears and yes. go in that direction? Yes. Okay. yes. Hey, I don't need no analytics to tell me 100% is good. And it works 100% of the time. <laughs> and the Cornell degree. The yes. Hey, um, Nick Casario joining us on the program. Nick, you've had a ton of success on the waiver wire since the trade deadline. You brought in some, some guys who've really contributed and I'm curious were there any of the guys that you've picked up I mean just for the audience's uh information you know Derek Barnett Kareem Jackson Tier Tart I'm missing one Adrian Amos was picked up as well were there any of the guys that you were uh, that you picked up that you were surprised hadn't been claimed in front of you that process Sean it's just you never really know how Mm -hmm. it's going to work itself out so early in the year your the claiming process is based on what your record was the previous year. And then after week, I want to say five or six, then it's whatever your position you're in. Then you're trying to weigh, all right, is this, do we have an opportunity to get this player? What are the teams may or may not be interested? What teams have been taxed at certain positions? So what we try to do is each day we go through the waiver wire. If there's a name on there that we feel warrants discussion, We'll talk about it as a pro scouting staff and kind of do some back, get some background information. You have 24 hours. It's a good thing. You have an opportunity. It's not like you have to make a knee jerk decision. It's the waiver wire. Honestly, none of us, I mean, anybody that tells you, nobody has any idea who's going to show up there on a day to day basis. So our job is to, when the waiver wire comes out, evaluate the players that have been released, whether it's from an active roster or a practice squad, look at our situation. Is there a player that's worth discussing? So we'll talk about it as a pro scouting staff. D'Amico and I will sit for a few minutes. Hey, you know, might want to think about so-and-so. Let's go back maybe if they have to do some work. And the good thing is the way that um, the, the video system is set up and the way our database is set up. So you can actually go to the said player, find the number of plays that he's actually played, and in a kind of 15, 20-minute period, you could probably find the 50 or 60 plays that he's played. So you can actually watch an individual player. It's not the old, I would say, beta tapes where you literally have to, which I've done this, time code, mark the tape, and if you're dealing with multiple players, kind of set up a ledger, then go back and then record it and create an individualized tape. So the benefits of technology, like we're seeing those on a day-to-day basis, I think it helps teams from a scouting perspective as well, specifically in pro scouting in season when there's a timely nature to this. So we'll go through the, the evening or the day, do our film evaluation, have a discussion as a scouting staff. D'Amico and I will meet about it. Hey, if we do this, here's the residual move we'd have to make. Okay, here's a player. Here's a role he may or may not have. Is it worth discussing? And then we have to look at our team. A lot of this is driven by where you are with your team at that time. So with the safety position, we've had some players that were in and out. Then we lost MJ. Then we lost Eric. Brought DHC back. So DHC was here early in the year in a practice squad play. Then he left. He was on Baltimore's practice squad. Had familiarity with the system, both defensively and the kicking game. So we thought it made sense to bring him back. And then the situation of Adrian and Kareem and some of the other players that you had articulated that you mentioned, those players had a a vast amount of experience, have played for whatever reason it wasn't working out on their team. So then we have to do is make a decision. All right, does it make sense? All right. And then really what you're trying to a certain extent – 
you're taking a little bit of a flyer, but then once you get the player here, then you have an opportunity to evaluate it, and you're not really, I would say, beholden to that player because if it doesn't work out after a week or two, then you can release the player and move on, or maybe you want to get the player here and you want to have them in the building, but the way to get them here is to claim them, and then you eventually maybe try to get them to the practice squad. So there's a lot of gymnastics that potentially can be involved, but A, it goes back to understanding the player, knowing the player, knowing his skill set, knowing his strengths, knowing how he might be able to help your team, and then talk about it as a coaching staff and then figure out whether or not it's worth pursuing. I would say in Tart's situation, we were a little bit banged up on the interior of the defensive line, so it was a way to – and I think he was released over three or four games left, whatever it was. So a short period of time, here's a player that has experience, for whatever reason it's not working wherever they were. We can't necessarily worry about what happened there unless there's something that's going to affect what goes on on a day-to-day basis in the building. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but the bottom line is, is we look at everybody and the more knowledge and more information that we have on the players, the better. And then we can make a decision and we either put a claim in or we pass on the player and then just figure out, you know, when the appropriate time to bring in um, players as needed. Nick, I mean, you talking about the way the video systems work now, I get I get like super excited and jealous because it's amazing what these kids can do now. I mean, pass rushing, pass rushing is completely completely different than it used to be like because they can watch this stuff on YouTube from the time they're 12 years old and then just like CJ Stroud talking about how he learned a lot of his mechanics from watching Drew Brees on YouTube but then when I listen to either D'Amico or some of the players talk about it it sounds like D'Amico and Bobby have really incorporated just the ability to show video of anything and everything like as a teaching tape and in a way that maybe wasn't done until the last decade or so where you, you can really just see you can show guys things and they can imitate it instead of having to spend half an hour in the classroom trying to figure things out. No, absolutely. We're fortunate to have the resources available, and I would say this is the benefit of technology. Technology moves fast, as we all know. It's constantly changing, constantly evolving, and you can use it to your advantage however you see fit. So coaches are always kind of going back and looking at, I'd say, old cut-ups or old tape, but if there's maybe a specific, I would say, technique or specific skill or specific play – the timely nature of it is probably where the biggest change has taken place. So you don't have to go search, try to code it and try to go back. Do we have the film? Do we not have the film? There's multiple avenues that are available. And what we have to do is just as a team and organization is just be able to utilize the resources that we, to the, to the best of our ability, understanding you can't use everything. So you want to be judicious with your time and your use but if there's something specific that you think can help a player or your team, then, you know, we have a responsibility to try to, to go find it. So, um, you know, this is just we're reaping the benefits of, I would say, the advances that have taken place in society from a technological standpoint. And some candidly embrace it, you know, more than others. So we'll use whatever we can to help our team uh, to try to improve and try to make ourselves better. Texans GM Nick Casario joining us. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Nick, I'm not going to ask if you have how you're doing on time. I'm just going to promise you that we're going to get you out of here in the next couple minutes. Um, you got it. Okay. Um, hey, um, Damian Pierce was on the postgame show with us, actually following the last Cleveland game when he had the kickoff return for the touchdown. He was on the postgame show with me and Clint. He was very honest and open about the struggles he's having this year adapting to the new offense. That's why we love Damian Pierce. He's just very forthright. And he even said to the extent he said he, he's, he said it probably won't happen this year to where he fully attains 
what your guy's vision is for what he can be in this offense. In your mind, what does Damian need to do, maybe in the offseason even, to become a bigger part of the offense again? Yeah, I think and the reality is the players just have to be themselves. Um, you know, DP's a great kid. He's got a great attitude. Uh, he's about the team. And, you know, I think the way that he's embraced his role, um, his kickoff return, um, is certainly emblematic of who he is and how he how he operates and just his willingness to do whatever he can to help the team. So I'd say just generally speaking, at times – Players maybe sometimes put a little bit too much pressure on themselves, and they're they're trying too hard. I mean, Damien's a skilled player. Um, he's got good playing strength. He's strong with the ball. He's good with the ball in his hands. So each year is different. So whatever happened the previous year, quite frankly, doesn't necessarily have as much relevance relative to the the future year. So any way that you can improve as a player in the off season, whatever that you know, whatever you feel that you can do to make yourself a better player whatever that looks like, that that's a responsibility of the player. Each year is different. Damian has helped our team. He, he's going to help our team here for as long as we're playing over the next few weeks. Um, and we were fortunate to have a pretty good group uh, of players in that room with Motor, Dare, and his role. And everybody has a lot of confidence in DP. And DP's got a great attitude, shows up every day with the right mindset. And I'd say, quite frankly, I mean, I've seen players handle that situation, you know, going from playing to not playing very poorly. But – Damien has handled it exemplary, um, and you know we're fortunate to have him here, and he's got a bright future in front of him. Um, so I think sometimes players maybe they just need a little bit of a reset, or just they gotta just take a little different approach, or you know not too much put too much pressure on themselves, and just realize just make it simple. This game is a simple game made hard. Um, just keep it simple, and just try to improve. Try to figure out ways to improve, and you know when the off season comes, like that's where you devote um, time to that particular area. So um, DP is going to help us. He's helped us win games, and you know we're glad he's on the team. Nick Casario joining us on the show. All right, Nick. Um, before we get you out of here, we had multiple texts saying, um, "Hey, ask Nick who his pick is for the Royal Rumble." Like, do we have a roster Later yet? Was month. there like three or four entrants? I, I, I mean, I think it, I've read like Shinsuke, CM Punk. Yep, I mean, Cody, it's thirty though, right? So we're kind of waiting on the heavy hitters, it, right? It, it's thirty. We know we know Cody and CM Punk are going to be in there. Those are the, Cody think, and CM Punk. Yeah, okay. yeah, like we don't like the Miz. Like he's going to. Now I would say the Miz. Like I know he endeared himself to the Browns fans, right? Didn't him and Joku. I mean, I you know I know we're playing in Joku. We can't really hate on him that much. The fact that he's doing like a day in the life of the Miz or. Some garbage since they're both Cleveland guys, <laughs> right? So, but anyways, like the Miz, I would say big LA Knight fan. So I think he's kind of—I don't know if he's in the mix. Reigns is kind of up in his own—he's in his own category of acknowledgement. So he's—yeah, he won't be in the Rumble because he's the champion right now. But LA Knight, right. I think, is in there for sure. I didn't know you yeah, were an so, LA Knight guy. Yeah, he's got a—he just his—he makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> honest to God, like his whole stick, like he really kind of makes me laugh. Yeah. And the fans seem to like him. So, um, wasn't sure, but you know, anytime I see him, it's not you know. And the Rock showed up the other night, yeah. right? And he looked like he looked like he hadn't spent too much time in a weight room. I know that. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs> holy cow (laughs) all right so i'm here i think once we have a full roster maybe we can you know maybe i'll call back in okay Okay. we're gonna get you on the friday friday before the rumble friday before the rumble you're gonna come on and you're gonna preview the royal rumble the rumble it's it's (laughs) january 27th so we're gonna get you on on football friday to preview the rumble and preview the texans versus whoever in the afc title omar is probably gonna like you know He's probably rolling over in his chair on this, but we'll, we'll see what we, we'll make something. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking. So. I'm, I'm joking around. No, you're not. <laughs>
It'll be on Thursday. The fans yeah. aren't. <laughs> exactly. 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 Hey, Nick, before we get you out, just, uh, you know, we, we know how the last game went against Cleveland. You guys are a different team, obviously, this time with CJ and some other guys back now. Just thoughts on if, you, if there's one big thing you can improve upon as a team over week 16 against Cleveland, what would it be? Yeah, look, bottom line is, you know, we didn't play very well in that game. Cleveland played really well. I think if, you know, we limit the explosive plays defensively and take advantage of our plays, you know, offensively, we had some opportunities, quite frankly, in that game, we're able to take advantage of them. But I would just say, generally speaking, this time of year, it comes down to the teams that really execute the best. Everybody's talented. Everybody has a number of good players. The teams that execute the best on a consistent basis will be the teams that have success at the end of the day. So, um, you know, we didn't play very well. We got off to a slow start. Um, they were able to get on top and kind of play from ahead, and they're a team when they can play from ahead. Look, they have the best defense in the league. They've got a lot of great players on that side of the ball. I mean, of great players on the offensive side of the ball. They're a good football team. They've won 11 games for a reason, certainly present significant challenges. But if we can improve some areas, um, take care of some of the things as it pertains to the Houston Texans, not necessarily Cleveland Browns, and hopefully we can give ourselves – an opportunity to to win the game in the fourth quarter. So, but I, I'd say limiting the explosive plays. I mean, Coop's a great player. I think he broke like the career receiving record for the Browns or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you know, limiting you know his touches, limiting the explosive plays, and you know, taking advantage of our plays offensively when they're going to be important against a really good defense. So, I think the team will be ready to go. We're excited about the opportunity in front of us. Hopefully, the city of Houston is ready to go on Saturday afternoon as well. We're certainly excited and grateful for their chance to still be playing meaningful football in January. Yeah. At home. I mean, it's it is uh, it's really really exciting. Uh, Texans GM Nick Casera. By the way, a text message: The Rock is clearly on Nick's Royal Rumble waiver wire. Okay, I, that <laughs> sounds about right. He might be. He, he might be. He might be. He's there. You got you a film He's too on busy him. Busy forming like the spring league. So. Right, right, right. But Nick, it's very easy to go find film on him. You just go to the Peacock app and go to the WWE <laughs> Network, and it's just like scouting Derek Barnett. You know, it's the same exact thing. But you're going exactly. to get in the Rock for the Royal Rumble. <laughs> same exact thing. Hey, Nick. Uh, best of luck this Saturday. We always enjoy the conversation, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Yep. Appreciate Thanks, you, Nick Casario, joining us here on the show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.